This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 97 of With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast of Project Sanctus, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, uh, with a special leaning towards the challenges that arise as spiritual seekers. I am here with my partner in crime consciousness, co-creation, Reverend Kelly. How are you today, Reverend Kelly? I'm pretty good. I'm uh, sitting inside where it's cool and it's 103 outside with 90% humidity. So being inside is good. This Zoom reception from the surface of the sun is great. I had no yes, idea. Yes, uh... it is. Yep. I walked out. Jesus. I walk outside and I can feel the brand new convection oven that's been installed. Oh, my God. Um, so let yeah. me tell let me tell people the world's on fire. Like it literally is. Um, I'm yep. still here in the D.C. area and all that Canada smoke was uh um, out yesterday there were some restaurants for example that um didn't weren't seating people outside and in terms of air quality it was it wasn't nearly as bad as it could be it was like you know if you're using a graph yeah. a chart a needle thing it's like halfway towards bad and anyways yeah world's on fire everyone take a deep breath and or don't <laughs> with the smoke. Yeah, take a deep smoky breath <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, it may not literally be on fire where you are anywhere in the world. And um, we are listened to in over 24 countries around the world, most of the U.S. Um, thank you to all our listeners um, as well. As always, if you want to join in on the conversation with comments, questions, things you want us to talk about, you can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. Our handle is at Get or Holy On, or you can leave a voice message 413 Get Holy. That's 413-438-4659. If you don't have letters on your phone, um, today's a really uh, special episode. We we have a guest who I will uh, talk about and introduce in a moment. But uh, first, uh, Kelly, um, give us some updates to what we got going on. Yes. Uh, and so I want to start. We've, we at times, you know, have been in the habit of acknowledging the land that we are settled on. And so I'm right now where I am in the Kansas City, Missouri area, I am on the Kaskaskia land, um, the unceded territory of the Missouri, the Osage, the Choctaw, um, the Kaskaskia, and uh, just always want to acknowledge whose land um, that where I where I'm sitting where I am at the time. 
we have our always have our affinity groups every month, the first and third Wednesday, and you can register for those on our website at uh, projectsanctus.com. And the first Wednesday of the month, <clears throat> excuse me, is our communal group. So it's it's not quite an affinity group, but it's our communal group, and we come together to um, you know it's it's racial justice work, it's conversations, it's a brave space, it's a it's a growing space, it's uncomfortable space, and it's where we do our work and you know building trust and uh, committed to uh, um, you know a world of love, justice, and liberation for all. That's the first Wednesday of the month. And the third Wednesday of the month is um, the true affinity group. So I facilitate <clears throat> the uh, the group with those that identify as the white bodies, and then Ogan facilitates the group of every everyone else. Um, it's gotten harder and harder to use. You know, is it BIPOC? Is it color people? Is it bodies of culture? Is it bodies of color? It's every term seems to not work for somebody. So um, self identified. Yes. Well, I don't like saying everybody else. Um, I know. I just, my apologies if offended anyone, but those are, those groups are first Wednesdays, communal third Wednesdays, affinity, 7.30 to 9 Eastern time. We are also ramping up, bringing our 846 book club back up. And the book we're doing is called This Here Flesh by Cole Arthur Riley. And you can find her on the socials um, at Black Liturgies. And she is, this is her first book and she's just amazing. Um, she, she's a storyteller and, you know, with great spirituality and, and depth of heart, depth of soul, you know, the stories and what you're reading is not always pleasant, but um, black liberation, black theology, womanist theology, just bringing all, you know, of her heart and soul and spiritual and religious experiences, you know, to these writings. And, um, and it is a book for everybody, regardless of if you have a religion or don't, whether you're atheist or Buddhist or whatever you believe, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's how she brings, um, you know, the, the, the ineffable into the flesh and how we all kind of need to be doing that. So you can uh, find more information on, um, on the website at projectsanctus.com. We're going to start Thursday, July 17th, 7.30 to 9.30 Eastern time, and we will go till August 10th. So there's five, five Thursdays. And you can order your book. You get a discount if you order your book from our, um, our partner, Bliss Books and Wine, um, to Black Women Own. They're our Black-owned bookstore and our partner with this podcast. And if you use the code 846-BOOK, you'll get 10% off. They have the hard copy or an ebook. Um, and finally, if you want to support us in keeping the train running and moving forward and the work that we do, please donate. You can go, again, projectsanctus.com slash donate um, and uh, offer what you can to just because sometimes Ogan and I are the interns, sometimes we're the CEO, sometimes we're the, the night maintenance staff. So um, we, we're all, always asking for donations to support us to keep our work going. Um, real briefly, before we start our conversation with our guests, we are recording on June 30th, um, and the Supreme Court um, yesterday just um, basically gutted uh, affirmative action in relation to college admissions. Uh, they were doing so well for a minute there, and then 
oh. then the the train ran off the tracks yet again. That's what and, I said the other day when we oh were talking about the North Carolina, Louisiana, like yay. Um we we will we will talk in great depth about this um uh, the next episode, the next podcast. Um that's next week we're recording that. Um I like I'm just all up in my feelings about that right now. Not entirely surprised it happened. Um, you know, and, you know, also, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give a little begrudging respect to Republicans who know how to play the fucking long game. And ugh. anyways, anyways, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have more thoughts about that uh, next week. Needless to say, none of us here are happy about that. Um, and if you're listening, regardless, you shouldn't be happy about it either, because it has much greater far-reaching um, implications than just who gets to get a good education. Anyways, that being said, let's jump into today's show. Uh, I so wanted to comment, and I know I can't. <laughs> I'll hold it. I'll make myself a note so I can bring it up. Make it, make, make, make a note. Make a note. We gotta pause, feel our feelings, accept our feelings, and just be with them for a little bit before we really respond. And I kind of maybe just didn't do that. But anyways. Um, <laughs> My bad. Yeah, you got um, to say how upset you were. Would you like to take a few seconds to say how upset no, you were? I just did. My ranting, my New Yorker Italian <laughs> okay. is out. And so, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, <sighs> so, um, all this month, we have been focusing on, on pride and reminding people that regardless of just all the legislation and all the terminology and all the stuff being thrown around that we're talking about the lives of real people. We've highlighted some stories of real people. We've told our own stories. And today we have the pleasure of, in, of, of having a conversation um, with someone in the LGBTQ community. Um, I want to welcome Alex to the show. Alex, I believe, is it, is it accurate to say you identify as a trans woman? You are a trans woman. Is that correct? Yes, I would say I identify as a trans woman. Okay. Among other I just things. want among other things. So so this is this is I'm so glad you say that because this is what this conversation <laughs> is really going to be predicated around that you are you are you like anyone else is not just one thing. Um so um let's just jump in. Tell us tell us about yourself, Alex. What would you uh, say if you had the three minute elevator speech to tell someone about you? Well, Okay, that's so hard. And <laughs> I specifically said, I wish I could have like a list of questions ahead of time. Um, so just sort of off the shooting from the hip here, I, I would say I'm some kind of queer. I'm a bunch of kinds of queer. I'm trans feminine. Um, I'm a feminine AMAB, as in assigned male at birth. Um, and to some, some people might put me in like a gay man bucket or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like whether I'm like gay or straight or anything like that, it's so interpretive and everything is so sort of amorphous. Um, people like one of the things about being trans is that people will make you whatever they want you to be. So, mm. you know, if somebody wants to be like adamantly straight, then they will make me like the same as a cis woman. Right they they will use whatever sort of framing that they want to put me into a bucket um including like shame like there's a lot of shame around being trans not not for me personally but um like 
you know, I was looking at Reddit a while back and it actually specifically like there was this thing like af after you come, what, you know, what thing were you looking at that made you feel shame? And the number one answer by far was trans women. Um, mm. And it's it, there's just so much shame people have, like even the people who sort of like accept us in ways, you know, like the states with the worst legislation um, for trans individuals are the same ones with the highest search in porn for trans individuals. If you look up transgender on like Kindle, um, you'll see propaganda against us, like, you know, and how we're like the trans agenda and trying to make kids trans and things like that. Like that will be near the top, um, wow. if not the top. And then below that is like immediately just the pornography, the erotica around trans people. And then you have like sissy and forced feminization and all this stuff. Like um, the world just makes us whatever they want us to be. And right now they're making us the enemy. So it's, it's fascinating that that little stat you just dropped around the States with the most anti-trans legislation has the most like, um, what did you say? Like basically pornographic obsession with, with yeah. trans people Correct. what do you think that's about <laughs> um <laughs> i think that it has to do with the puritanical roots of this society right so the mm. shame like an equivalent serving of shame um as well as intrigue um so the thing that is so taboo like perhaps the obsession with um trans porn is related to you know, is relative to how much shame and taboo they feel around that topic. Gotcha. So, so we'll do it in secret, but we won't um, be, be public about, cause we don't, we don't want to, we feel our own shame and we don't want to be made ashamed as well. I, I guess so. They don't want to be formally associated. Like when I started dating as a trans person, like really quickly, some things popped on the radar, like, are you okay with being seen in public with me? And a lot of people fail that. Like a lot of people are unwilling to be seen with a trans person. Mm. Um, uh, a lot of people are, you know, down low. A lot of people um, are married or in some kind of non-ethical monogamy, um, you know, where they, they are willing to have sex with trans people, but in no other way have any correlation with them and that sort of thing. So, like very quickly, you are subhuman to, I would guess, the majority of people, like regardless of what they might purport. Um, that seems to be the reality. Well, um, it almost, I was thinking about that, <clears throat> also that statistic um, that, you know, those with the most anti-trans, you know, legislation also have, you know, high, the high rates of trans porn you know searching and watching is um but but all you know behind the curtain you know not telling what it is uh, correct me if i'm wrong it also sounds like um you know fetishizing or fetish kind of thing where you keep it under you can't tell anyone but you know there seems to be multiple things in our culture that um that dominant culture will put into a fetish category, but never talk about, never make it public, but kind of people know, but don't talk about it. Yeah, I could, I could certainly see it framed that way as well. So this, this might be a bit more of a 
personal question and feel feel free to pass if you want but how does how does it feel to be seen or or identified that way when you talk about you know you said people will will see you make you whatever they want to and and you're you're dating and encountering people who don't want to be seen in public with you um how can can you speak to how that feels i i i don't know how that feels oh gosh um it's it's a double whammy right because you're this one percent minority and you also receive like the misogyny of being a woman but then the invalidation and sort of like being stuck in this like idea of what a man is as well so Mm. if somebody wants to you're just like an idiot woman and if somebody Mm. wants to you're just a disgusting perverted man you know Mm. Um, again, people, it, it's so it's it's sort of fascinating in an objective way, but to live in that society is a completely different thing. Um, you know, I was just reading today in Morning Brew this newsletter that um, the highest selling beer right now in this country is Budweiser because they went back on being woke. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, people are voting with their money. Like again, regardless of what they will purport they are voting with their money and saying yes um like we don't want to hear about trans people we don't want to hear about queer people um you know we want we want this puritanical idea of what this country is um and yeah it's it feels every fucking day feels like most people hate that i exist and it fucking Mm. sucks because they don't even know me Wow. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't even begin to imagine what that's, what that, what that feels like. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to do the, I'm not going to do the thing where I compare tragedies and traumas of being a black man in America compared to being a trans woman in America. Um, there, there's, there's certainly overlap in terms of, you know, we, we, we see over and over again, the overt hostilities, especially towards black trans women, but I can't compare and I won't, try to i want to can i pause here for a second because i want to i don't think i'd heard um the way you described that alex i just and i think a lot of our listeners probably have never thought about it when you describe you know so as a uh a woman there's this oppression like you know the village idiot and then as a man you know i think you said i'm a disgusting man so there's these you know, identities that are both subjugated and oppressed and wanting to be erased. Um, I don't, and correct me with any of the language that I'm using, but I don't think that that some of our listeners or maybe many of them actually ever consider that, that this double identity and both of them are, are wrong. Yeah, um, a good example is bathrooms, right? So, like, if you use the men's bathroom, you're not welcome. Like, people could hurt you. Like, they legitimately could hurt you. And the rates of violent crime and sexual assault with trans people are also much higher than cis people. So it is legitimately dangerous for me to use the men's bathroom. And on the flip side, it is legitimately dangerous for me to use the women's bathroom. Because somebody can make me a man and somebody can make me a woman. Again, they can make me whatever they want. Um, obviously at the end of the day, I'm just a person. (laughs) Yeah. 
and I'm just trying to pee or whatever. Yeah. And so there's no safe bathroom, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I suppose if there's like a unisex kind of situation, we can sort of sidestep this issue, but I, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, in every social interaction, like this is one of the reasons I hate pronouns in general is you are tagging somebody with a thing that they cannot like choose, right? In every single context of that person, like he did this, she did that, um, smart for a man, smart for a woman, whatever it is, you know, they're trying to put this strange tag on you and you don't fucking get to choose what you're assigned at birth. So to put this essentialism on you when you cannot choose a thing, um, it's like the most ridiculous idea. And, and so like, that's one of the reasons that, you know, I prefer they for all people. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of people disagree with that. A lot of trans people disagree with that. That's fine. You know, like, like you said earlier, um, Kelly, like you kind of can't win, right? Everybody has their own way of self-identifying and their own preferences. Um, but to me, the enemy, like sure, the enemy is the patriarchy. Um, the mm -hmm. enemy is also like the umbrella above that. The enemy is the gender binary because it right. makes gender a social class and that's one of the issues yeah. right so do you do you you know as i was listening to you talk about how hard that was i i really and like ogan said i i can't even imagine nor can i so i i'm just so my heart kind of went down the road like i want to check in like do you have the support you need do you have others you know are you on your own? Like, I just want to know that you have some support, you know, do you know that you're cared for? And because we yeah. are talking about lives. Sure, sure. I mean, as much support as I can have, I suppose. <laughs> It'd be well, great. Some people are doing this alone, you know. Sure, sure. No, I have partners, I have friends, okay. I have family, um, I have a kid, huh. you know. Yeah, so certainly, you know, I was I was like a fairly typical what I thought like cis het man for, you know, most of my life and I still have those artifacts sort of scattered about. So you mentioned you mentioned that you you have a you have a kid. Um how how is parenting? Like I know parenting is both a sort of a universal concepts and let's just call it what it is sometimes parenting is just so hard <laughs> like raise raising other human beings it's just so hard sometimes is it fair to say that it is more challenging for you because you are a trans woman or is that an assumption i'm making i mean <laughs> it kind of depends what you think challenging is it is certainly interesting and sort of charming at times you know like here's here's sort of an example like my daughter has not shaken the habit of calling me dada so if she mm. is talking about me to other people she might say oh my dada wears that color of lipstick or something like that you know so there's that sort of thing um like i'm okay with dada but i you know for safety reasons I would like her to call me something more ambiguous like Maddie or Mada mm. or, you know, something. And she can call me Mama, but, um, you know, of course, I, I kind of prefer something that's more ambiguous personally. Um, right. she, she is darling about it, though. 
Um, I want to say she was around three when I came out and she has like, she definitely wants to gender everything, but um, she also sort of understands the concept of like non-binary gender and understanding like the way to know someone's pronouns is to ask them and to not make a lot of assumptions about like, what a boy can do and what a girl can do or what is allowed, what colors are allowed, things like that. And this is actually like a whole topic unto itself because if you look at any of the cartoons, um, any of the media aimed at kids, all of it is very strongly color-coded and gendered. You know, yes. if you put eyelashes on on that pig, that one is a girl pig. You know, you put a bow right. on that one's head, that's a girl pig. Um, that one's wearing blue, so it's a boy pig, you know, like, yeah, I, I, yeah people, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Like we did not instill any of these gender norms um, on my daughter and she just, it's, it's a constant uphill battle because um, even though you would think that uh, the media for children is sort of like innocent, it's, it's heavily gendered full of propaganda right. full of gender norms and what a boy can do and what a girl can do and what you're allowed to look like and say um if you're allowed to express your feelings or not like it's it's so deep um <clears throat> one of the things i wanted to bring up that i remembered like many many years ago like when i was in elementary school all of the boys in the school had to go to um, the auditorium and hear a lecture on what it means to be a man. Like we literally, Oof. we literally had to do that when I was growing up and it's like, we don't even realize we just accept it. The compulsory heterosexuality taught in schools, this propaganda of heterosexuality, uh, presumably to create atomic families to buy more things and, you know, presumably to create more people to do the work for other people who don't have to work. You know, ultimately all of this stuff is about control. Like the gender binary is about control. Um, gender as a social class is about control. Um, it's it's just pervasive. It's endless. Um, I had creating... the... Sorry, go ahead. I, I had the same thing growing up. The boys all went to the auditorium. The girls stayed in the classroom. So the boys all got taught how to be a man and we all got taught how to be a woman. Growing up in Barbados, we didn't we didn't have that, but I also went to like, you know, Christian church camp every summer and and we definitely had those discussions as well. And in the context of, you know, evangelical Christianity, I'm sure the same things were not said. How old is your daughter now, Alex? Can I ask? Six. Six. Oh, great age. So when I talk about parenting being challenging, I'm like, you know, you mentioned that that you came out when she was three. Uh, mm -hmm. People talk about the terrible twos, but really the terrible <laughs> twos are just the are just a ramp up to the threes, the threes in in my experience of parenting and other parents I talk to. The threes are really the year that all hell kind of breaks loose with the with the kids. Did you yeah. did you have a similar experience? Uh, possibly. I think what do they call it like three teen? Yes. Like <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I mean, it, I don't know. I had a lot going on at that time, but mm -hmm. I don't know. She's still, we're still sort of fighting certain things. I, I think like all the ages present their own difficulties. 
and this is are, true. you know rewarding in their own ways i don't know that i could say like oh yeah she was like a real problem at three with much confidence because it was three years ago <laughs> I, I, yeah. I hear that as the as the father of a 22 year old let me just give you some heads up around that uh uh that 11 to 13 window yeah some some fun stuff is gonna happen then uh batting down the hatches um so if i'm doing the math correctly that means you've only been out three for three years can you talk a little bit about that that decision to come out and you know the years before that i'm not quite sure the question i'm asking basically like yeah, what what was leading up to that point in time? Why that point in time? Am I asking you for your coming out story? Maybe I am. Um, <laughs> I, maybe, maybe. Um, it's it's a funny thing, you know. There's this perception that, like, you know, you're you're born in the wrong body, and you just like kind of know that most of your life. And to uh -huh. some extent, that is sort of true. Like in retrospect, I can connect the dots pretty confidently and be like this is like this is when it started to affect me in the wrong way like certainly when I was like five or something I wanted to be a ballerina you know like certainly I wanted to be these things and and they would point me to like the boy version and I was just like I don't want to do ballet anymore never mind like I don't want to be that and then when I hit puberty uh like it everything just felt wrong and I started dissociating mm. really hard like I started shaving my head from 15, age 15 to 37, I shaved my head and like anything I could do to remove my identity um, from myself. Like there was, I went through a period of time where I would only like shower once a week because I like in retrospect, I can say, oh, I didn't want to see my body. Right. So mm. like in certain ways, I kind of knew I was always trans like in certain ways I kind of knew I was gay or straight or whatever people okay. <laughs> whatever bucket people want to put me in I kind of knew these things but so much denial right I mean I, I felt like I was just going through life um, not recognizing my own body and my own identity and mm. um, eventually it just got so bad that I just could not be certain I would not kill myself like I could no longer trust myself because the ideation was like chronic and non-stop and um, I tried every major class of psychiatric drug I tried all of these things and then I read an article that dissociation and depersonalization are very common with trans people and I was like but am I trans because I don't really feel like a woman I don't identify with my body though but I also identify as agender. That's one of those things that, you know, of the many identities, I identify as autogender, meaning like on the autistic spectrum, um, and that being a lens for gender, and also agender, meaning sort of like not really understanding the social norms of gender and not necessarily understanding this is for girls and this is for boys and things like that. Um, to me, everything is much more abstract than that. So I did not have a social sort of reckoning of what it would be to be a woman or a man. I just, I felt very bothered when people would gender me like my entire life. Um, and basically I just, I talked to my psychiatrist and I said, look, 
I don't know if I'm trans or not, but I think I want to try HRT, hormone replacement therapy. Like I want to try living on estrogen. And she said, that seems perfectly valid. And it's probably something on the frontier of psychiatry. And that's what we did. Um, I started HRT and about six months into HRT, that is when I started to identify as trans. Mm. And I, it's, I think I've maybe seen one other person comment on that on Reddit once, but that sort of story of becoming trans is super unusual because, you know, um, as you know, like a lot of these legislations are trying to say things like you need therapy for like two years, you need to like yeah. live as a woman for two years or um, whatever it is, you know, before you start HRT. I was so dissociated. There's just no way I could have really fully known. Again, in retrospect, I can like see the patterns pretty clearly. But I was like just a very fragmented person. I, and like, I struggled with that very deeply. Like I could not recognize myself in the mirror. I could not recognize my face. I could not recognize my body. I just felt like I was in a stranger's mm. life. And, you know, and, and even with depression, like, oh, you, you want to die? Are you depressed? Well, I don't know. I'm doing all this stuff. No, no. If you're depressed, you're supposed to be sad and just lay in bed, you know? Mm. Uh, so like I was diagnosed with like atypical chronic depression like something that is treatment resistant and it's because it wasn't really a depression it was just a chronic boredom with existence because i felt like i was living someone else's life and going through the motions of someone else's life and it took six months of of running on estrogen and healing to finally sort of wake up from that fog that i was living since i started puberty basically so mm. In a way, I sort of escaped this this strange hole that I fell into a long, long time ago. And for me, it was not crystal clear whatsoever what I was supposed to do or what would be helpful or if I was living the wrong gender or what was going on. And um, I actually identify as transgender male to non-binary and transsexual male to female because for me, my transness is very much about my physical experience, not really about the social construct of gender. So my perspectives on a lot of these things are a little bit different. And I think a lot of that is through the lens of being on the autism spectrum. And I'm really glad you said that because I think like a lot of this legislation that's being rolled out seeks to put everyone who is, you know, under the, I guess, trans umbrella as the same. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, no different than, you know, the the multiple complex differences of cis people. <laughs> you know, it's it's. So I'm 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 really glad that you're highlighting that your, you know, your story, your journey, is very individual to you and not and not perhaps commonplace. Not to ask an overly simplistic question, but how do you feel now? Um, I, I sort of try to find feelings of gender, like being ma'am, is that better than sir? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I try to like embrace some of the binary. I've, tr I've tried to be binary a bunch of times. Um, like I was so convinced, I, I, would, I would tell my therapist like, um, 
I'm trying to be binary. <laughs> I'm trying to fit in the gender binary, but nothing feels right. And she's like, no, that's fine. Like, that's perfectly valid. Um, so certain things that people would broadly gender and generalize speak to me and other things do not. Um, so I feel very non-binary. And um, this kind of goes into another thing. I was making peace with the idea of being okay as a trans woman like being like i don't have to look cis i don't have to act cis i don't have to sound cis like i can just be recognized and respected as a trans woman i can recognize myself as a trans woman like and not see all of these things that don't quite fit being a cis woman you know like i'm too tall my hands are too big my voice mm -hmm. is too um all of these things that are just a little bit off from like the mainstream and um, I, I was like working on making peace with that. And then I would go somewhere and someone would he me or sir me or something like that. And it's like, bitch, I'm in a dress. I have tits. I'm, I, I've been on hormone hormones for years. I had facial reconstruction and you're fucking calling me he and sir because you you found a crack in the facade. Like you found this one little thing that was a little bit off. And if you go to other countries, like when I was in Spain, that that didn't happen. People would be like, oh, you're presenting feminine. So you want to be treated that way. I understand. And in this country, it's like they find a little tiny crack and they just like fucking dig in. Like, hey, I can tell you were born male. I'm going to invalidate your entire identity and treat you subhuman and like shit. I'm going to out you. I'm going to call you the wrong pronouns. Sorry, hold on. Take your time. You know, you know, when somebody outs you like that, you can fucking get killed in the parking lot and shit like that. Like it's fucking dangerous being trans. And so they think they're being really clever. But, you know, they're they're basically potentially murdering you. Like, that's how fucking serious this shit is. They think that's fine. They think it's fucking cute. You know, it's comedy in, in this country and a lot of countries, you, you put a man in a dress and it's funny. Oh, look, at that man is acting feminine. It's a joke. It's a fucking joke. That's like the perspective on this, but that's not what it is to live. You know, people mm. often equate transness with like drag and things like that. Mm. There's a conflation and those people, you know, they like take the costume off and then they live their cis binary life. That's not what being trans is. Being trans is just doing your fucking best to get through every day while the world just takes a shit on you. Fuck. Ooh. Yeah. It's one of the reasons, Alex, we wanted wanted you here is to, to be able to say all that. Because most people I know don't get that is, is we're talking about people, humans, like real, live people. And and <clears throat> we're talking about death, not in a metaphorical or euphemistic way, but really real death and dying. So it needs to be heard. Yeah. And, you know, as we see these corporations pulling their pride products. Yeah. That, that is 
people voting. That is people yeah. saying, it's not okay what you are. It's not even okay that you exist. You know, Target took tucking swimsuits away, like women's tucking swimsuits. I had to take them yeah. away. Um, Budweiser pulling their campaign. All of these, all of these corporations, because this country is not a democracy. This country is bought, it's bought and sold. It's corporations and whatever the people vote for with their money, that's what happens. Um, and I do understand there's like a loud minority of assholes right now in so many places of power that were probably not even legitimately voted in or put in or installed or whatever. But the thing that hurts me so much is, is not that loud minority. It's the loud majority who, who is saying, I don't want you here. I don't want you to exist. I'm going to fucking jerk off to you. And then I want you to fucking die. And it's bullshit. It's total fucking bullshit. You live in a state and feel free to mention the state or not. Um, you live in a state where there is a push of anti-trans legislation, um, bathroom bills, uh, the, you know, ban in trans um, people's participation in sports, that sort of thing. Does it feel more acutely dangerous or oppressive living in such a state um, I don't know if you have another frame of reference of living in a more supportive state. Um, and then, of course, we always have that age-old question of like, oh, well, then why don't you just move to a state that is more <laughs> supportive and affirming of who you are? Why would you stay there? Can you That's, speak to I, that? Sure, sure. Like Biden signed an executive order that allowed states to ban trans athletes. That mm -hmm. didn't come from a state. That came from the nation. There is no escape by being in this country. And frankly, there's not a lot of escape by being in other countries either. The same types of agendas are being pushed in Canada because it's not <laughs> where trans people are 1%. This is not about, this is about generating conflict and infighting so that wealth disparity can continue to grow so that the people who are ultra wealthy can be wealthier. This is not about gender. This is not about trans people. This is this is about Facebook ads swaying popular belief with misunderstandings and propaganda so that the ultra wealthy can continue doing what they're doing. And unfortunately, like that is not how it's being presented. That is not how people understand it. They do not understand that this is just infighting for the sake of distraction. And, you know, that's the bitch of it is politically, as these things are happening, they're going to be overturned by superior courts, you know, unless it's the Supreme Court and they don't overturn it. But <laughs> a lot of these restrictions on HRT for children and things, or youth, I should say, are being overturned because they're nonsense and yeah. it's ruining lives. But in the interim, real people are suffering for it. Yeah, it's unfortunately... It's just distracting people, and I wish people were more educated on what's really going on to understand that this is just a distraction. And you can, like, hate on trans people. We're, we're such a tiny number of people to begin with. You know, it, we're just this group to hate on. My everyday experience, sometimes I get maliciously misgendered. Basically, when I open my mouth, I get maliciously misgendered. Probably I have the privilege of passing 
in a lot of circumstances, which makes me somewhat transparent to a lot of this stuff. And that is more recent, though, for the first year before facial surgery. Like, I was what I would classify as visibly trans. And yeah, hmm. like, you walk into any room, everyone stops and looks at you. Everyone. And that's not even a perception thing. You can look at them looking at you. <laughs> right. right. And they don't they don't break that eye contact. They keep looking at you. Um, right. it, it is super hard to be visibly trans in this country. And it's still hard, even with the privilege of passing most of the time. And a lot of the aspects of passing are not things that I necessarily care for. Um, they're mm. not things that feel right <clears throat> to me. They're just things that I do to get through the day without too much shit. So I'm wondering if, um, you know, as I'm listening to you talk about the things you do, the trans passing that I don't think, um, I think there's few of us walking around that really understand what that is and what that looks like and what are those things. And so what, what my question really was is, is how can like, how can I support you and how can I support trans communities? And, uh, you know, what would you like for me to do? I think going against the flow of things is one thing that an ally can do. You know, people are pulling pride products and things like that. You can complain about it. There's things like that in like for an actual trans person, just walking around, just treat them like a person for fuck's sake. Like, how hard is that? It's it's a funny thing, but like you can really tell like this sort of infantilization like oh you're so confused about your gender like look mm. at you you know there's an infantilization with trans people where you're, you're sort of you're being okay with them existing you're treating them like you know you're giving them this weird sort of like special attention like like this is it, is it like thing tolerance versus acceptance i mean i, I think it's it's sort of like that. Again, it's like an infantilization. It's it's probably sort of like misogyny in the sense that it is somebody sort of like taking away your agency. Like, oh, you're so confused, you poor thing. Gotcha. You know? Okay. Um, so I don't know. It's I think some people, the way they try to be supportive is they say, I like your shoes or okay. I like your purse. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, oh, I, I like your eyeshadow or your eyeliner. You know, there's things like that, certainly, that people do. Or I like your dress. Or is there anything I can do for you? Those things are, they're intended to be supportive. But obviously, like, if I walk in a room and I'm the only one who gets asked what my pronouns are, right. <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> yeah, I'm still being singled out in some way. Yeah. And did the, if you ask someone, you know, I think I always think about the person that, you know, is going to ask or comment, you know, on your shoes. Did you do that with everybody in the room? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there is like a strange singling out. It will just you yeah. you walk in, in my case, I'll walk into an elevator and somebody will say, oh, what floor? And then I speak and then they do a double take like, oh, you're some kind of trans thing. And that's when it becomes like. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I like your shoes. You yeah. know, some some strange thing like that. And I, I I'll fucking take it. I know you have good intentions, person that said that to me. <laughs> but it still feels kind of like an othering experience. So well, yeah. The like legitimately 
the experiences that feel really good um, based upon my own experience and and the trans folks that I talk to is just being treated like a normal person. Like, just treat me like a normal person. It's so cool. I'll just be like, holy shit. Like, I'll be out with my one of my partners. We'll be like grocery shopping or something and then just be like, wow, did you see how that person just treated us like people? That was amazing. <laughs> and it's so rare. It's so rare. Oh, um, my goodness. Yes. Like, um, we were out yesterday and um, taking some pictures in, in front of a, a pride thing. And um, somebody said, oh, here, can I help you take a picture? And they, you know, they used my phone and took a picture. That is not remarkable. The remarkable thing is there was no weirdness about it. It was just completely normal. And I know that the the that's that's not exactly a skill. It's just people who are used to being around queers and trans people and such. They it's no big deal. You're just a you're just a person, and it's like magical. It's so rare. Wow. Yeah, isn't that sad? Yeah, it is sad. It is sad, and I understand why because we're one percent. This like, like, and also the binary kind of causes this problem too because lots of people probably do know trans people guess what you can't see them they're not obvious lots of trans people are passing because they just want a normal life and they want to be treated normal and the easiest way to do that is to just blend into the gender binary to do all of the little things you're supposed to do to be just like everyone else i think oddly enough that of all the things you said today that i think that one hit me the hardest in order to just have a, and I don't like the, the I hate the word normal because, you know, what the hell is normal? But I do know what you mean. Just in order to have in a, a daily existence of, of, of just peace and being who you are, you have to make yourself conform to a setup that is so inherently flawed and demeaning and dangerous. That one, that one got me. So let me ask you this in kind of switching, switching gears a little bit in your life now, what brings you joy? What brings you bliss? I know that that wasn't a, that wasn't a subtle transition, but as we, as we're, uh, as, as you're talking about just the like, normalcy in life. Yeah. What brings you joy and bliss these days? This is sort of reminded me of a whole other topic, which is like, what exactly does being trans you know give you it gives you survival in my case i've described it as i have a capacity to experience happiness that was very elusive before transition mm -hmm. um i there was this one comedian um i th i think that they they live in the uk now but they're originally from canada i believe they're a non-binary um i can like look it up if you want to put it in the notes or something but um, they said that in their entire life, this is like the happiest they've been. And, and that does not mean that they're happy. They said that there is just an agony that is missing. And if mm -hmm. what it takes to remove that agony doesn't hurt anyone, then why would anyone stop anyone from removing agony? Yeah, And, you know, that's, that's sort of what, transitioning is is it's removing this agony that life was um and it's not hurting anyone like that's the sad part it's not hurting anyone and people are trying to take it away 
It's like, you don't even know what, you don't know. You have no reference. Why are you judging others? Why are you trying to tell them what they should be allowed to do to remove that agony? And so what what brings me joy are probably like somewhat mundane things. Like, yeah, it brings me joy to be treated as a person post-transition because it's so rare. That brings me joy. Um, but yeah, going on a hike, that brings me joy. Um, spending time with my kid, you know, just the, the usual normal things. It's There's just this capacity to actually feel happy or a lack of agony. I think I'm going to, uh, Alex, take that because that really struck me, the agony thing, the, um, the, you know, not really happy, but the agony has been removed. And I'm like, yeah, that's just not good enough. Um, and hearing you say that repeatedly, um, that's that has stuck with me. And um, since I get the opportunity to speak to a lot of different people in a lot of different uh, contexts, uh, I'm taking that you and so many others, I want happy and joy, not just removing agony. I think the removal of agony, I think it's one of those things where it's like, this is going to be a really bad metaphor. And I know that going in, but. So we ought not say anything. <laughs> I'm going in anyways. <laughs> I'm going in anyways. It's like, it's like I, I go to a restaurant and, you know, I order, I order a salad and, uh, and the salad is great. And I didn't know it's coming with a big pile of avocado on top of it. And I hate avocado and I take the avocado off and finally uh, I'm enjoying the salad again, really bad metaphor. But I think the idea of removing, removing agony really allows the experience of just like the, you know, the joy and fulfillment that's already there, but you don't really quite get to experience it because of all the other, because of the agony uh, that's, that's there. The, the um, agony of avocado. There you go. <laughs> show title, show title. <laughs> that avocado like still touched and smeared all over that salad. Right. But I am yeah. determined to enjoy that salad no matter what. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I do. I Everybody, the way that people can experience happiness, everybody's way of experiencing is different. The things that, mm -hmm. that make them happy are different. Mm -hmm. um, I gave a sort of like summarized list of a few things that, mm -hmm. you know, make me yeah. happy. Um, I, I agree that, like, it's not, it's not like, um, like people should not be in agony and maybe they shouldn't even be just the removal of agony in their lives. But unfortunately yeah. there is no secret beyond that. Um, in fact, quite a few people that I got along with very well in a state of agony and they had agony. Um, we got along great, just like misery loves company kind of situation. And when you start to feel differently, when you embrace positivity and when you embrace like living as you really are, um, that is such a different state that a lot of those folks who could, could, they did not, you know, transition isn't their key. Um, right. whatever their key is, they don't have it yet. And, um, you know, you sort of have to like remove yourself from those situations with these people that you sort of like miserably understood 
and they are still on that page and you have moved mm. on. So um, unfortunately, like nobody knows what the secret is to making a person sort of um, blossom into who they really are. But I do think a big part of it for probably everyone is be who you really are. You only mm. live this one time. Don't waste your time being what everyone is telling you to do. And that's the problem with the factory model of our society and institutional education and all of these things is like, this is okay. Here's your life map. You do this, you know, you, you finish school, right. you go to college, you get married, you work for some company, you raise kids. And, you know, this formulaic atomic thing that is specifically to just um, get you to produce for the GDP, you know, just get you to, you know, whatever makes these other people wealthier you know, that's what that roadmap is. It is a way for you to exist in servitude while other people are taking advantage of you. And that's what I, I really feel like that factory model is made for. Mm, that's a good place to, I think, leave us that just be, be yourselves and really be mindful of how much of a how much of a cog are you any of us how much of a cog are we in 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 this uh yeah capitalistic machine that brainwashes us so subtly and so thoroughly that we don't we don't realize we're being we're being cogs in so many in so many ways and i and i love that like that's how you i think um stated very early at the top of this discussion around um this is this is just all in service to to the money makers and it's it's just horrendous it's just it's just horrendous um and i know speaking for kelly and myself i don't like to speak for kelly but i think i think i do i think i think she'll agree with me on this one <laughs> uh, uh speaking for kelly and and myself i th this is our daily work and um, examining our own place in the machine and and pulling ourselves out of the machine and creating that space is where our tagline is um, is um, love um, love justice and liberation create try to create the space as much as we can so that others can see their places in the machinery and and pull themselves out as well um, and realize that yeah, it's not it's not going to be easy for everyone uh, to do that, and and we we are the ones who have to do it. Like there's no mythical other. There's each and every one of us in our daily experiences um, as we encounter people, as we elect people to office, all the all the things. Um, so yeah, um, is there for listeners? And I think we've kind of asked this another way already, but not to be redundant is is there any takeaway is there any just like one takeaway that you would want our listeners to walk away from this conversation with um i i think <clears throat> i think part of the spirit of this puritanical thing like there is this materialism where this this idea that materialism like wealth implies purity um and people doing things for other people like i think I think we all get caught up in doing things for other people. Um, I should have I, I should have um, transitioned much earlier. I should have been homosexual much earlier. I should have done all these things and I, and I did not do them for other people. Mm -hmm. um, 
I actually have a sister who came out as trans in her mid-20s, and I told my wife about it, and she said, oh, if you were trans, I would leave you. And you know what? That mm -hmm. probably added like 10 yeah. years to my sort of life sentence of being something for someone else. Right. So I I think that it's so important to live for yourself and to be who you are. And that gets sort of muddied up with, you know, again, the factory model and also in our own personal connections, doing things for other people. It's It's not worth it. You're the one who has to live with that. You have to come home to that and like sleep with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not worth it. Be yourself. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You Thank you so much, much for uh for joining us um and being being vulnerable and 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 sharing. Um and yeah, I am I appreciate you so much. Um not just for this, but for who you are. So thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you so, and sorry, blessings. Ahead, no, I just wanted to say thank you and blessing you on your day and tomorrow. And I love that the things that make you happy are those simple everyday things because I think some of those are the most powerful. Um, so for folks who are listening, um, truly invite you to listen to this a few times. There was a, there was a lot shared here today and I know we're not going to get it all in one listen. Um, if you have some folks in your circle who you think would benefit from hearing this, uh, please share it with them. Um, let them know we're in all the podcast platforms. And again, if they don't know what a podcast is still in 2023, you can listen to us on um, the old school interwebs at withloveandjusticeforall.podbean.com. Please visit Project Sanctus uh, to see all the work that we do to make a donation and support us. And please, please, please sign up for our upcoming book study, um, This Here Flesh uh, by Cole Arthur Riley. I think that's it for today. Thank you again to Alex for just sharing and opening your heart to us and us to you. Really appreciate it. And until we meet again, let's get our holy on. Um,